I know a lot about golf. It's time for those weekend golf guys. Well, we're waiting. On SB Nation Radio. And on SBNationRadio.com. Here's John Ashton and Jeff Smith. It is indeed us, those weekend golf guys. I am John Ashton in the studio. He is Jeff Smith at the Golf Cave, Timbergate Golf Course, which we were uh, pleased, Intrepid Producer Mark and I, both very pleased to actually have come up there. We finally got invited after about a year. Oh, finally got invited. You... <laughs> Go back and listen to the past shows, Mister. Unless you've edited that part out. Okay, we finally got got the the energy up to go. Okay. Okay, that's I mean, a little bit better. I just I just <laughs> did the mileage thing on my phone here, and it was 121 miles one way. It was worth every minute. That was going to be my next point. Because, uh, and they're not quite done yet, but they will be up very soon on Facebook and other places. But both Intrepid producer Mark and I had a lesson with Jeff. And honest to goodness, this is how Jeff teaches golf lesson. The very next day, we went out and played golf. You should have seen the difference. And we had a guy with us who didn't know we had taken lessons from you. And he kept asking Mark. He was riding in the cart with Mark. And he was like, man, what did you do? You're hitting the ball better than I have ever seen you hit the ball. And Mark was just kind of like, yeah, well, I've just been practicing. <laughs> <laughs> I've just been practicing. He didn't... Because Mark could actually say that without lightning striking him. <laughs> well, he could, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he also could have done a little commercial for you, you know, and said, I have taken a lesson from the best golf instructor in the world. But then again, it was my brother-in-law who was riding in the cart who, who prides himself on having never taken a lesson. So that wouldn't have, oh. that wouldn't have worked. <laughs> uh, well, yeah, he would have, it would have been wasted on him. But he was like, saying. did you change your balls? Did you change your clubs? Because, man, that ball is just jumping off that club face. <laughs> oh, really? You know, the fun part about yeah. all of that is that that right there is what I hear frequently from a lot of people that I work with because usually, in, in, in Mark's case and in your case, it was not a technique lesson. It was a concept lesson. Yeah. Pretty interesting. And it accomplished a whole lot for both of us, which we will get into in greater detail. But we're also got a, a, another instructor up who, uh, Marty Griffin's his name. He, he kind of uh, prides himself on dedicating his teaching abilities to 18 plus handicappers. And I think if there's, what, 29 million golfers in America, if you narrowed it to 18 plus handicappers, you'd probably be talking about 28,990,000. I'm not sure. That's but a lot of people. It's a lot of peeps that we're going to be talking to directly when we come right back on those weekend golf guys. Did you ever wonder why guys, every guy, I mean, it's like this everywhere. Guys keep their socks and underwear in the top drawer. It's funny. We'll have to do some research and figure that out. I was looking for some new top drawer stuff and I found some, some top of the line top drawer stuff from Mac Weldon. Because Mac Weldon has the most comfortable underwear, socks, undershirts that I've ever, ever worn. They also have hoodies and shirts and sweatpants. And it all is the most comfortable stuff that you will ever wear. They'll prove it to you, too. They want you to be comfortable. So if you don't like your first pair of underwear, you can keep it and they will still refund you. No questions asked. 
I myself not only got the underwear and shirts, but I've got the most comfortable pair of sweatpants I have ever worn in my life. So go to MacWeldon.com, use the promo code WEEKEND when you check out, and you'll get 20% off your first order. MacWeldon.com, use the promo code WEEKEND and get your 20% off your first order. back those weekend golf guys i'm john ashton he's jeff smith jeff gave a lesson an official lesson uh, after our live show last sunday here in town and um gave one to both uh, intrepid producer mark and myself and man we went out the very next day because that's one thing you do after you take a lesson and, and you you are taught something uh that can make such a fundamental change in the results and with mark it was very easy his thumb was was not on the shaft at all so he had really little if any control that might have been the only technique thing that I gave him in that conversation we had. The rest of it was his knowledge that he can actually speed up his motion Mm -hmm. and know how to go about it and do it without it feeling like it's a different golf swing. Even without the exercises and the techniques that you showed him for speeding up the golf swing, because, you know, in 24 hours, he wasn't going to do that. And in 48, he probably won't remember how. I'll, I'll have to remind him. Well, that's but. why the video said lesson <laughs> exactly. is about to be on the Facebook page. Refer back so to way, video, right. Refer back to video there. Without the increased speed, he had added probably 50, 60 yards to every shot. And his second shots out of the fairway, which usually were, you know, it's maybe maybe 10 yards off the ground and would scream down the fairway. He'd use a hybrid for a 100-yard shot, just to give you an idea of how little uh-huh. distance he actually had. He was now he was hitting them high, straight, and long. Still not quite <laughs> as long as he could be when he speeds up his swing. But they were and, and again, my brother-in-law was like, "Who are you, man? What happened?" So, in a nutshell, if you can, just to give hope to all the other and and I don't think Mark will mind. He's like 62 years old. Okay. Mm-hmm. Not uh, not the most agile. Really, I would have put him at forty eight. Yeah, sure you would. Yeah, you're just <laughs> sucking up. Uh, not the most. Look, he pushes ag- the buttons on the show. He can make it sound good or bad. <laughs> not the most agile guy in the world. Just just explain what you saw and what you changed and what happened. Well, you know, a couple things that I saw in Mark. First, I saw a guy who, as a as a big picture, I saw a guy who was holding himself back mentally. He looked like he had the look of a guy who was trying to do stuff. And in that trying to do stuff, there is that slowing down of everything that is athletic. Mm -hmm. That was the biggest thing that I took. But then again, I also saw how tense his arms were. Right. And I saw his, the way he was holding his club right away. You know, we're trained teachers. We look at specific things, right? Mm -hmm. And, And in that tension, I saw what is widely regarded as a baseball grip, not a 10 finger grip where all 10 fingers are on, but a baseball grip where the thumbs are wrapping around the shaft as opposed to placing them down the shaft. Gotcha. Okay. Okay. And, and I saw that that meant that he had virtually no club control with just his left hand alone because his thumb wasn't on the shaft to actually help him control it. So what I did with him in that part was talk about the fact that he had no control by just letting him take his right hand off the club. And then I had him just swing back and forth gently, just move the club around 
And then he realized that without squeezing the ever-loving daylights out of the shaft, he had zero club control Right. when he just tried to move it around. And then I showed him to put his thumb on the, not the top and not all the way on the side, but most of the way toward the backside of the shaft. Again, not on the top. That's a big key. Right. So if you're looking down at a circular thing, like the face of a clock, so to speak, top of the shaft would be 12 o'clock, bottom of the shaft would be six o'clock, three o'clock would be on the right-hand side. Mm-hmm. Okay. Got that picture? Yep. I had him put it about 215, 230. Okay. So almost, but not quite at three o'clock dead on the side of the shaft. Right. And when I did that, he could, he learned that he could actually hold it in the base of his pinky finger through the base of his ring finger. And then his other fingers could be on the club and he could press on with that thumb. And he had a hundred percent control over his club. He moved it around in the air, left hand only. He just picked the club up, waved it around and realized that he had ultimate control over his club and he was not squeezing. Now he had seen yeah. one of your prior videos on how to uh-huh. how to get the right grip, where you explained how you you just take your, your your stance that you take when you address the ball without a club in your hand and just let your arms hang down by your side. That's right. And the way your hand normally falls is the way you should use it on on the the grip of the club. And he That's was right. he would. was doing that, and he was doing it correctly, with the exception of having his thumb on the shaft. Right. That's right. Yeah. His his hand was not out of position his thumb was essentially non-existent on the shaft right so he had to use all of the strength that was in his fingers to grasp the club and squeeze it thus creating an awful lot of tension right and when there's that much tension in the forearms and wrists there's no cocking of the wrists on the way back and uncocking of the wrists on the way through you might ask well, what's that matter anyway first it speeds up the club a lot it does. Second, yeah. it squares up the club very quickly. Mm-hmm. Doesn't do it slowly. It doesn't quickly. You're uncocking your, your wrists, thrusting the shaft downward, pointing it at the golf ball at impact. That's, That's right. an interesting visual that Mark had. Yeah. And he felt that too. And all of a sudden, he's like, well, what am I doing with my right hand? And I said, you're going to leave it alone, but you're going to soften it up. And all of a sudden, we started to see him, his, his demeanor got better. Mm-hmm. He was no longer trying, you know, that mental thing about, okay, I got to do this and that, and I got to do the other thing. And I got to really concentrate hard on this, right? Yeah. And because he became more relaxed and then he learned that the club could then speed up and get square. And all of a sudden, Mr. Mark was starting to look a lot more athletic. Mm Mm-hmm starting to whip that club through there a little bit. And then I showed him some techniques that he could practice at home. Like, for example, I had him flip the club upside down and grip the shaft where the head was behind his hands, not gripping the club head itself, but gripping the hosel and the shaft. Right. Like it were a golf. And then I would have him swing it and cock his wrist and uncock his wrist in the downswing. And then he would hear the whistling of the shaft through the air. And he would hear it, and it was more toward the right side of his body was where it was loudest. Mm -hmm. And he understood right away that that was his club head speed. And he understood right away that that's where his club was fastest. And I quickly pointed out the fact that he wants it more on the left side of his body, more toward his left leg. So the club is actually accelerating into its fastest point coming into the golf ball, as opposed to already been at its fastest point behind the golf ball and therefore slowing down. Right. He picked up on that right away. Yeah. 
And it does make makes a world of difference in the in the hit. Yeah. World of difference. Yeah. It, and it, so he could hear it. Yeah. The next thing he did was swing it faster and faster forward. Now mm-hmm. all of a sudden, with the, the left thumb change and the grip pressure reduction that comes with that, uh, and the the feeling of that his hands arms could move faster, instantly he was smiling ear to ear, knowing that it was going faster because he had proof. He had sound. Yeah. He found his evidence. Everybody wants to swing the club faster, especially Mark. Yeah. Mark is what's known as a boring golfer. He just dinks it out there in front, never going to lose the ball, never going to get in trouble. Yep. Because he's not hitting it far enough to get it out of sight, you know? Yep. Yep. Right down the middle, just kind of dink, poof, dink, poof. Right. But now his dink was a little louder, wasn't it? It was, it was much louder, and his uh, he still wasn't getting on the green in, in regulation, but that one question you asked yes, uh, during the, the lesson on, you know, how far from the pin are you in regulation, that number got much shorter for him after that one lesson. Yeah. And Isn't when, that great? Then when he gets the speed up, it's going to become in feet rather than in yards. That's I'm, right. I'm sure. Because he's hitting the ball straight Yep. as he was before because he, he – Watched the grip video. Yep. Right. Understood that. Yep. And now it's faster. Now it's going to be farther. His confidence is going to soar. Oh yeah, yeah. It's it's yeah. obnoxious already. It is. But, oh, know. that's fantastic! <laughs> it's obnoxious already. Yeah. That's saying, wow, pot. That is definitely calling the kettle black, isn't it? <laughs> We've got more, especially if if you need help, and who doesn't in this day and age. Um, for 18-plus handicaps or, or high handicappers, double-digit handicappers of any number, um, we've got more information, more techniques to try, and uh, more conversations with some of the best golf instructors the world has to offer when we come right back. Hang with us. Of course, we have a Facebook page, facebook.com slash golfguys. We would love it if you were to go there and like us. We'd love it even more if you'd go there and follow us. And you want to make us real happy, just go there and interact with us. Facebook.com slash golf guys. So were you a modern man or do you just consider yourself like a regular old fashioned kind of guy? It really doesn't matter because there is a clothing brand that's going to fit you. It's going to look great and it's going to make you feel great too. It's called Roan and you can find it online at Roan.com. R-H-O-N-E. They've got this new line of clothing called the Commuter Collection. And they say it's a performance alternative to the everyday workwear. I say you can't find anything more comfortable whether you're going to the gym or you're going to work or you're going to go take a little weekend getaway or whatever. Shirts, polos, pants, shorts, socks, underwear. I mean, it's all there and it's all fantastic stuff. What you need to do is you need to go to roan.com slash weekend. You need to go today and then you need to use the promo code weekend to get 20% off your first purchase and get as much of that great stuff as you can that first time. That's R-H-O-N-E dot com slash weekend. Promo code weekend for 20% off your first order. Roan.com slash weekend. Promo code weekend. It is us, those weekend golf guys. I am John Ashton. He is Jeff Smith, Trevor producer Mark. I think he's still out on the uh, on the golf course after 
because of the improvement. One one question I have, though, about the baseball swing, and, yep. and I had never heard this differentiation. A baseball swing is 10 fingers on the shaft without the thumbs on the shaft. The thumbs wrapped around like you would a baseball right, bat. wrapped around like fists, yeah. like they do on, on baseball. baseball That's bats. why they call it a baseball grip. One right. of the things that you also, a lot of people I've known have, have erroneously referred to using 10 fingers. Uh, even with the with the thumbs as a baseball grip as opposed to an interlocking grip, but um, yeah, just because they see all the fingers on yeah. and they see the hands, right. you know, completely separated, one touching the other, but right. you know, not overlapping or interlocking, they they just instantly call it baseball. Really, there's a difference kind of thumb position. Want to really... want to welcome in uh, Martin Griffin also to uh, those weekend golf guys who is another excellent golf instructor, uh, guest of, of the show here, Martin. Thanks for joining us. And, and uh, we're talking about a lesson that Jeff gave me just a couple of days ago. And feel free to join in with us whenever you get the urge, if you have something sounds that sounds good to you. One question I do have, though, about the baseball swing is one of the techniques that a baseball coach imparted to me in Little League low these many years ago was if I gripped the bat with the last little finger on my lower hand off of the bat. Yeah, it supposedly worked better for some reason. I forget it's a long time ago since I was in Little League, so I forget his thought process there. But do you ever counsel people? I'm not to... sure where he would where he's going with that. Okay, then we uh, won't even mention it. We'll I'm, just I'm cut that sure. whole part. You know, there's a lot of things that get said <laughs> in baseball, and a lot of things get yeah. said in golf. Just like Martin understands, is there's a reason that somebody is coaching whoever's in front of them. There's a reason that they're having that conversation with them right at that moment. Well, it does. It does bring up the question. Is one of the things that that some some first time golfers have asked, and I really didn't know how to answer it. But where do you put your hands on the shaft, vis a vis the length of the shaft and the end of the shaft? Well, from a, a leverage perspective, there is a little part of the grip at the top end of the grip that flares out just a little bit more mm-hmm. than everything else. You're going to want the pad of your hand. That you know that if you go to your pinky. And you go all the way to the thicker part of your hand, that meaty part of your hand, John, yeah. on your left hand. Yeah. Yeah, that's going to sit right on that little uh, flared out piece, the butt end of the club, so to speak. And the butt end of the club, there's this little thing at the end. They call it a grip cap, right? It's a, right. it's just the end of the grip, a little rubber top, so to speak. It's it's part of the grip, but it's distinctively visually different, right? Yeah, okay. And and that we like to see that sticking out just a, a tiny amount. So we know that you're holding it in that place where there is that a little taper to that grip and there's some good leverage that happens as a result of that. I gotcha. Okay. Well that answers that so, question then. Let's uh let's let's go back to uh revisit my lesson and 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 marty i'm sure being as how you specialize in golfers with 18 plus handicaps and to get you know the beginning golfer and the and the not real good golfer into the game where they can shoot in the 80s uh, maybe even break 80 now and again you have seen i'm sure many a golfer with a with what what i used to call my power my power draw well what i see uh, you know another word for that <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah you know i used to call it uh hitting parabolas okay they they snap so hard they're gonna come around and bite you in the rear end (laughs) well it wasn't that bad marty come on give me a break man well marty's referring to one that actually got in the air john that's why you didn't see that (laughs) Uh oh golf teacher humor that's the kind of radio show we have here (laughs) you just figured it out right away 
Sounds like a lot of my uh, a lot of my rounds of golf. You know, you gotta be careful who you're playing with. Sometimes they might aim at you on purpose. Yeah, that's true too. And, and next time the I'm out with Jeff. The best part about when John does that, you don't he doesn't even face you. <laughs> okay, guys. All right, okay. you 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 can you can besmirch my reputation on your own time. Okay, I've got I'm in charge here. Uh, one one of the things that that I had a problem with, well, one of the many things I had a problem with was was basically my eyesight must be off or something but what i thought was straight up and down was not straight up and down so so the head of my club was actually facing to the left at address it was quite a bit to the left um so you could have said a little come on well okay all right so a little let's define a little in terms (laughs) of what moves a golf ball yeah okay um so let's start with say two millimeters Mm-hmm. A tiny amount, a barely noticeable amount, will actually move a golf ball. Yeah, it'll make it, it'll make it start to curve. Yeah, but yours was, you know, let's say quarter of an inch. Yeah, and that's significant, yeah. especially if you have, say, five iron or six iron in your hand. Right, that's significant. Yeah. So, what was going on to to so to bring Martin in on this? I I was talking to John in general terms about, hey, look, we understand when the face is pointed somewhere left of where the club is swinging at the time it comes crashing into the golf ball, you're about to see curvature to the left. And he got that. And I said, so he's thinking about his swing path. He said, well, do I need to straighten out my swing? Because that means my swing's going out to the right. Like, well, actually it was coming from a little bit too far behind you, but let's first address matching up the face a lot closer to where you're swinging it to then identify how bad your path really is. And so what we did was I had him take his grip and just just stick the club straight out in front of him and just take a good look at that. And his club face was not pointed straight up and down. The, the lines on the face were angled significantly to the left for golf ball purposes. And so I said, all right, so let's pay attention to this. There's two times that you could mess up this shot. One of them is before you swing, and the other one is during your swing. So why don't we go about this in the process of elimination, and let's whittle down the magnitude of the curvature before you even swing the club. He's like, oh, okay, we can do that. So I got him to, to actually get the his, – his palm of his right hand was on the backside of the shaft, which is a great position for John. I just had him match up the club face with that. So – that the as he put the palm of his right hand on the back side of the shaft, the face was absolutely straight up and down square, sticking out. And then all of a sudden, John, what was the first shot you hit? Straight. After that? Straight. It was, did it, it was leave, scary. Did it leave the target at all? <laughs> no, it was it was like, well, what, maybe three feet left of the center line? Yeah. Yeah. So when you think about that and you you hit an eight iron and it was going out there. You hit it pretty decent. You know, it was a 140-ish yard shot. Uh-huh. And it was only three feet offline, and that ball had very little to no curvature to it. I know. So then all of a sudden, we didn't need to start messing with the swing path, did we? No. We, we did just not. found out that when we matched the, close, the club face very shockingly close to the swing path, that not only did we have a linear flight shot, but we had a linear flight shot toward the target. So your path at the time it touched the ball was actually moving pretty well toward the target. Now yeah, and I see that a so, lot of times with, you know, uh, I, I agree 100% that you you have to start looking at the face first 
because we would want to, it only makes sense. We want to remove as many variables from the golf swing as we can to yeah. make it as repeatable as possible. Exactly. And I see it all the time that, you know, if people have that club face a little bit off in either direction, subconsciously, they're going to start adjusting their swing to compensate. And that just has like a, a downstream ripple effect that builds in all these quirks and kinks that have to get ironed out later on. Yeah, you start you start looking like Bubba Watson when you start doing stuff like that. Only he knows what he's doing. We're just yeah, guessing. The Charles Barkley version. Right. <laughs> <laughs> the other thing now we found out. The other thing we right there. The other thing we found out is is that uh, I was I, I wasn't moving completely. No, no. One of the things that in you know to to before we get to that little point that we're going to make a big deal out of, um, it was that. John also immediately started to relax mm -hmm. and because he saw something and he surprised himself as if to, as if to actually admit, wow, I, my swing's not as bad as I thought <laughs> because you were somewhat, you had told me this before the lesson had started before our conversation. You had even said, my swing can't be very good right now. Yeah. My ball flight's off. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. Because people have a tendency to think about the magnitude of errors in their golf swing based on the magnitude of ball flight being off target. Right. They just don't realize it's really the magnitude of difference between the face and its path as it's as it's moving through the shot. Yeah. And, as we and then all of a sudden you became more relaxed. Right. Right, and another so reason for then, the for the relaxation too is, as we have said before, that there's something intimidating about thinking you're doing something terribly wrong and embarrassingly wrong in front of somebody who does it so well. Yeah, mm -hmm. that's right. Everybody goes through that. Mm -hmm. I think there's a lot One to be said about we, like the geometry behind it too. You know, people don't people don't think analytically through the golf swing about how such a minute difference, like you were saying like two millimeters versus a quarter of an inch. When we extrapolate that out over 150 yards, yeah. that gets real, real big. You know, it's, it, it's, I, I get it. Geometry was no one's favorite class, <laughs> not mine either, but you know, it's one of those things that if you, if you just take that minute to look about the, the deeper levels of the cause and effect behind these different relationships, it is some really, really minute things that can have, potentially catastrophic results. Well, yeah, like I was going to say, the difference between two millimeters off and a quarter of an inch off could be finding your ball and not finding your ball. You know? For sure. Yeah. That's right. That's that's very true, especially yeah. on, you know, difficult golf courses that are tight. Yeah. Uh, you can have all kinds of trouble. All kinds. And and, so, <laughs> and we have, we, we, we're going to have to get into greater detail about the, uh, the whole moving thing. When we come back, because we've got a lot of time together, we've got Jeff Smith, we've got Martin Griffin. Marty, where are you at? I am in Madison, Wisconsin. I just finished shoveling snow for Halloween. <laughs> well, hey, surf you right yourself, baby. We will be back <laughs> with both of these guys who are both both golf instructors extraordinaire when we come right back. We are those weekend golf guys. You need to hang out with us. Business golf is the quickest way to build trust with your clients and potential customers. TheBusinessGolfCourse.com. Go there now and check it out. TheBusinessGolfCourse.com. This segment of Those Weekend Golf Guys is brought to you by CBS Sports HQ. I think we're all aware that sports TV nowadays is, is full of made-up drama. 
Same topics being beaten into the ground with, with ideas and takes from people who don't even believe what they're saying themselves. But CBS Sports is going to change all that. CBS Sports HQ is a network that streams live 24-7, and they have coverage that is focused on just the game. Football, they got it. FedEx playoffs, they got it. Fantasy sports, well, their experts are going to give you the info you need to make all the right calls for your lineup, and, and football season is coming up. No fake debates, no politics, just real sports for real sports fans. Just open the CBS Sports app. And you can watch anytime from anywhere on your phone or at home on your Apple TV, Roku, or Fire TV. It couldn't be easier. And it's all totally free. Download the CBS Sports app and watch CBS Sports HQ today. Of course, we have a Facebook page, facebook.com slash golfguys. We would love it if you were to go there and like us. We'd love it even more if you'd go there and follow us, facebook.com slash golfguys. And thanks for hanging. We are those weekend golf guys. I'm John Ashton in studio. He is Jeff Smith at the Golf Cave at Timbergate Golf Course in Edinburgh, Indiana. And Marty Griffin from uh, Madison, Wisconsin, who probably is uh, sitting at home bemoaning the fact that there's snow in the ground. In front of a fire, actually. Sorry, Martin. You know. <laughs> I'm doing well, thank you. <laughs> and uh, so, do you like pack up stakes and head south for the for the winter, or, or what? What does a golf pro in Wisconsin do when it snows? Oh, uh, you, uh, you know, a lot of tears are shed. Besides, uh, I was gonna say, besides complain. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We we actually are getting a lot more simulator locations and a lot more oh, cool. heated facilities in our area. So oh, we fantastic. actually have like a. Probably a 150-stall facility not too far from oh. my location. So then golfers in Madison can still practice if they need to. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. That's a word that I have found it difficult to say in my career, Marty. And- he has. There's, you know, he used to break out in hives. Right. He, you know, he would stammer and stutter uh, at the just the concept of that. Matter of fact, I think we even had an episode – I think, didn't we call it the Iverson episode? <laughs> I don't need no stinking practice, man. Come on. No, I, uh, I I got to the point where I can say the word easily now, and I'm sure I can begin doing it any day now. I'm positive. Any day. So, but I did, I did take a lesson from Jeff. We went up and did, uh, we've got a live local show we did last Sunday uh, from Jeff's golf cave in his studio where he has all the high tech toys. He's got all the cool stuff. And both my producer and I took a lesson, and it, the difference that we could see it was so immediate that as, as I'm finishing up my lesson, Mark had gone first. Mark, the producer's in the background, calling, making a tea time for the next day. <laughs> we went out that next day and put everything into practice, if you pardon the expression, that we learned from Jeff. And the differences were amazing. And we had some guys with us who had not been privy to these lessons, and they couldn't believe the difference in how we were playing versus how we played the week prior. So my problem had been not only the the inability to discern straight from from tilted to the left, but also I stopped turning before I was done, right? Right. Coming into impact, he had a what we call a stall. And in that stall, it produced a stall in the action that was continuing to, to move him forward. And what it actually produced was a right arm that was effectively came crashing into the right side of his body. And the, the elbow would hit the, 
his rib cage and his right arm would then collapse down and across his <clears throat> belly. Mm-hmm. And in that, the club would then turn down to the left just prior to impact. And we saw a good bit of that. And we created a little bit more space and continued to let John rotate on through. And all of a sudden, that went away. The balls went straight. Yeah. Stranger things. So he things. was no longer yeah. crowding himself, so to speak. He was not all bound up coming into impact. We gave him a little bit more space to uh, to move. And he moved better. And the arm didn't come crashing into the right side of his body. It continued to extend out and down the target line just long enough. And then it would arc in after the ball was gone. Mm-hmm. And next thing you know, John was able to keep his club face significantly more online coming into that golf ball. And then afterwards, it would turn over to the left as expected. But that was after. Mm-hmm. We're all happy with that. Mm-hmm. All of yeah. a sudden, John's a happy man again. Yeah, and it you know it, it doesn't take much for John to get happy. Trust me. But <laughs> I bet those shots are a lot more solid then too. After that too, a little Absolute- more consistency on that low point. Absolutely, that was a point I, I made to Jeff. Is not only did they go straight, but man, they were great. I mean, I, even, I was telling Jeff, I even hit hit an eight iron into a green, and it went like right at the flag, over the flag, past the flag by about, I don't know, 10, 12 feet, and stopped. It's kind of like, like, whoa. It's like going from hitting rocks to marshmallows. Yes. It's like, hey, you know, suddenly I like this game again. One swing, that's all it takes. Just, that's it. Yeah. Because, you know, it's amazing how it, just a little tiny thing. Yeah. You know? And and that's why there's so many, and I'm, I'm sure more you see this in, in your students too. Is is it's so hard for a golfer who is not dealing directly with a Jeff Smith or a Martin Griffin, who's watching the Golf Channel or who's who's reading the backs of the magazines, to to pick up those subtle nuances that can oftentimes, as we discussed, make the difference between a shot down the middle and losing your ball to the left or the right. Yeah, I think people who are kind of consuming the the mass media, it's it's a problem of not having it catered or tailored to themselves. That might be the perfect tip for a John, but it might not be the right tip for a Marty. Exactly. And and that's the problem is people think, oh, okay, well, it came from you know so and so top fifty guys, so it must be good for everybody. And in reality, you know, every swing is very very different which is why I, I lean much more towards how we practice and how we take, take whatever game we do have onto the course with consistency. Yeah. Yes. You're another one of those guys with the, with the P word. Yeah, <laughs> I know it's, it's, he's hearing it from all sides now, Marty. It's like an overriding <laughs> theme. <I love> that. <laughs> yeah. The cacophony right. of practice. There is one of those things that just happens, John, that you could, you could kind of, Set your watch to it with good players. Yeah. Yeah, they do practice. Go to the golf course. I know what you could do, John. What's that? So that way you didn't feel like you had to practice by just going to the golf course. How about you go to the golf course and just watch the practice facility for, you know, (laughs) say a few hours and watch what happens. You'll notice that all the people that are out there, they're actually performing some rituals out there. You are not they going to, to be, yeah, you're not going to believe the conversation in the car on the way home. I mean, 120 miles, that's a, it's a long <laughs> time for, for intrepid producer Mark and I to talk. 
And we were talking about. I was going to say it's probably a long time for him to be in the car. Okay. Um, But one of the things, one of the things that I said that flabbergasted Mark was that, you know, there is a a wonderful um, golf driving range. You're probably two miles from my home. And I've been there once. (laughs) Uh, I took my grandson there once. Never went back. Now I'm thinking about what I said is I said, you know, I still didn't hit the ball exactly right every time. There's still some old habits creeped in or you set up too quickly or you forget one of the little. I mean, that that whole uh, um, moving my foot a little further to the left to enhance my left foot a little to the left to enhance the turn is something I forgot to do a bunch of times. And it showed. So I told Mark what I was going to do when I got home sometime is I'm going to go up and get a bucket of balls and just keep hitting irons. And he was like, no, jump on back. No. <laughs> did, he, did he start immediately reaching for the wheel thinking you were having a stroke? <laughs> <laughs> he did check the coffee to see if I had put anything in it. Yeah. But, <laughs> but I mean. He's wondering because he's, he's probably wondering, okay, what's happening right now? But, but the point being, man, is that when you get a eureka moment. And they are so easy to get. Again, when when you sit in front of a Jeff Smith or a Martin Griffin, you can say, you know, I do this and a ball does that. And he says, well, of course it does because you're doing this. Don't do that. And shows you a, a quick one little thing that makes all the difference in the world. And you're like, man, now I'm not embarrassed to go practice because I can actually see it. I can see an improvement because now I know how to make it better. And you want to go do it. Because you want to keep doing it so you ingrain it before you forget. And I think there's a lot to be said about kind of asking just two real basic questions for golfers who who truly do want to get better. Uh, You know, we ask first, you know, what's your goal for golf in the next 12 months, whether it's a number, whether it's a frequency of play, whatever the case may be. What's your goal Mm -hmm. in the next 12 months? And then what's your plan to get there? Because a lot of people have the goal, but they have not even put one second of thought towards that plan. Right. And maybe that plan is to go and go meet up with a Jeff Smith and get that lesson to get over those obstacles or that sticking point. So many people just say, oh, I want that. And then it just stops there. Yeah. Let's make the plan. Let's execute the plan. And let's achieve the goal. Exactly. There you go. What do they say? A, a, a goal without a plan is just a dream. No, yeah, a goal without a plan is a wish. Yeah, wish. That's it. Same thing. <laughs> yep. Write that down. Um, that's like uh, that's like I, I wish I'd win the lottery. But that would <laughs> yeah. mean I'd have to actually go take action and buy tickets. Buy tickets and then have a plan to cheat to get your numbers yet. to come up. But that's still – see, you're not in control of the lottery. You're in, you're in control of your golf game. Those are numbers that you can predict accurately. A lot less variables in the golf game yes. than in the lottery draw. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. Well, maybe as many right. variables, but you're in control of all those variables, your own self. You don't have true, to rely true. on anybody else. That's that's the thing, man, is is when before you can before you can make anything better, you have to understand what you're doing wrong. And that's what you really need a Jeff Smith or a Martin Griffin to do. And that's another reason why people don't like standing in front of a Jeff Smith or a Martin Griffin, because they don't want anybody telling them they're doing something wrong, even though we know we're doing something wrong. That's the reason why a lot of us don't like going to the doctor. Because you know, know what they tell us? Yeah, exactly. Tell us, tell us something's wrong with us. Exactly. I'm not going to go to the doctor. I may be sick, right? <laughs> they're going to tell us to do something that we don't want to do, like yeah. stop eating pizza. Yeah. Or whatever the case may be. Yeah, stop drinking not beer. Stop eating chocolate. But, you know, anything like that. 
that that's it exactly. And that's that's one of the things I I knew I had to get over. And I think a lot of people in my position, double digit handicappers who have played golf for a while and have never really gotten any better, have have progressed to the fact where they can break ninety, maybe uh, maybe on an occasion shoot in the low eighties. But for the most part, you know, they're they're eighteen plus handicaps, and they're I don't want to say happy at that point, but content at that point would probably be a good thing. So one of the things you can do is you can listen to Martin Griffin's podcast. Uh, shameless self-promotion, Marty. What do you got? <laughs> How do people hear and all that kind of good stuff? Golf Strategy School is the name of the podcast. GolfStrategySchool.com is the website. And like John was saying, it's it's kind of aimed at those people who are in that 18-plus handicap range. You know, we talk a lot about how to practice to kind of build our fundamental skills and how we can layer those skills into success on the golf course. There you go. That's all there is to it. Elevator pitch, man. You got that down. That's good. I like that. I like <laughs> been that. going since 2014, so it's, uh, <laughs> oh, cool. it's been said a few times. All right, great. Well, Martin Griffin, thanks for joining us here. And it's nice to see, too, that, that, that Jeff is not um, that much of a maverick, that actually – you know, other golf pros believe that there's not just one right way to do stuff, you know? and Absolutely. I, yeah. There's so many different variables and yeah. there's going to be a lot of different ways to fix things. I think, you know, the biggest thing for a lot of people is just kind of admitting that they need help and going out for that lesson with whoever it may be. It's like a 12 step program. First, first step is to admit you <laughs> have the problem. <laughs> Okay. Martin Griffin, uh, again, it's Golf Strategy School, the podcast, golfstrategyschool.com, the website. And um, you know, sorry that you got snow, but glad that stuff in Madison, Wisconsin works out. Maybe there'll be a heat wave. It'll break, you know, 35 sometime soon. You can go out and play some golf, you know. I got a space heater and a tarp in my garage. I'll play wherever I can. <laughs> Good to know. Good to know. That's, right. that's, that's why those orange and green golf balls come in handy now. You can actually play in the snow and find them. All right, Absolutely. bud. Absolutely. <laughs> Mark, thanks for joining us here on those weekend golf guys. Thank you, guys. You want to see how great a golf instructor Jeff Smith really is? It's very easy. $5golfclub.com. The number $5golfclub.com. If you're in sales, you know that people buy things from people they know, they like, and they trust. It can take forever to build that kind of a relationship unless you use golf. Business golf is the quickest way to build trust with your clients and potential customers. TheBusinessGolfCourse.com. Go there now and check it out. If you guys haven't heard about Roan, you are really missing out. Let me tell you, Roan is a men's performance lifestyle and premium activewear brand that's engineered for unparalleled quality and comfort. Uh, it's an absolute necessity for guys on the go. And it doesn't matter if you're training in the gym or you're jumping on some international flight somewhere. These guys are your new go-to men's clothing brand, Roan, R-H-O-N-E. I'm going on vacation soon, and I can tell you I can get everything I need all, all on the same website, Roan.com, because they have everything a guy needs. From premium shorts, shirts, tank tops, socks, underwear, swimwear. I mean, it's great stuff. They engineer clothing that's perfect for the office. They're perfect for long flights and commutes. And, you know, I'm going on vacation, which means probably at least one of the connections is going to get canceled. So it's going to be a long time hanging out in an airport. I got to get comfortable. They've just released their new commuter collection. And, man, I just went crazy on the website looking at this stuff. Uh, shorts. Yeah, have you ever had anybody ask you if your shorts, if you prefer a 9-inch or 11-inch inseam? No, me too. 
and and the the polo shirts are beautiful. The shorts, the the pants, the pants you can get them in snug fit. You can get them in loose fit. You get them exactly the size you need. Get them hemmed to your perfect length. And the shirts, the dress shirts, <sighs> wrinkle free. Yeah, wrinkle free. No more. Hey, John, you own an iron. I mean, whether you're sitting around or whatever, you know, these this stuff's gonna look good. For for the guys like us who go into the office in the morning, go play golf in the afternoon, then go out to dinner and, and hang out uh, for a few drinks after dinner, it's all the same clothes. Go to roan.com slash weekend. Do it today. Use the promo code weekend. You'll get 20% off your first purchase. Okay. R-H-O-N-E dot com slash weekend. Promo code weekend to get 20% off. Roan.com slash weekend. Promo code weekend. R-H-O-N-E dot com slash weekend. Go now. So what have we learned now that we are back with those weekend golf guys? We have learned that if you were to go and hang out and and maybe follow us on Facebook.com slash golf guys, as soon as those two lessons that uh, we've been talking about here that Mark took and that I took with Mr. Jeff um, that have helped both of us immensely, and can translate probably to to helping you because I'm sure that our problems were not unique, were they, Jeff? No, uh, they're they're common. Yeah, yeah. I, I do know that at least I'm I'm glad that we finally got to get together live on camera mm-hmm. so that people could actually see this thing of beauty that you have above your lip. <laughs> and I'm really glad that that got to show up in the video. Yeah, it's the only thing of beauty on that video. Let me tell you. <laughs> I concur. Just, just don't don't look at the swing or any of that other stuff. Hitting it correctly, right? With with the with the follow through and 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 the the head club head actually aligning correctly. Um, yeah, wasn't that a novel concept for you? Certainly was, but mine went farther also. Yeah. Here's here's a quick thought. I mentioned it earlier, and I'll mention it again because it is worth mentioning. Okay. Lots of people think that having a club face that is turned down a little bit will always make the ball go farther. It will make the ball go lower, and then it will hit the ground sooner, folks. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> when it hits the ground sooner, you're at the mercy of the ground and what it landed on. Right. Water, bunkers, heavy rough. None of those things Sticks. advance the ball very far. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Just saying. There was the first time I went through everything correctly, just the way you had showed me. And it was an eight iron I was hitting, just as I had been doing in your studio. And I hit it right at the flag. It landed on the green, probably 10 feet beyond the flag, and stopped. (laughs) And it was like... Whoa. <laughs> Something is new here. I think I'm going to like, like it. I'm going to like this game. <laughs> so you're going to be able to like this game too. Just go to facebook.com slash golf guys. Follow us. And when those videos are up in the next couple of days, you'll be able to see exactly what we're talking about here. Emulate some of the stuff. And what you're going to want to do is you're going to want to call your favorite golf course you're going to want to get your clubs out you're going to clean them off and you're going to get yourself a tea time and you're going to go practice and practice and practice and play some golf 